Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. And U Street. Hey y'all. Alright, so football. No football again. Uh, they've canceled their second game of the season uh, against Northwestern, which means Northwestern is now your Big Ten West champion. Uh, this is not the only cancellation. The Gophers are not the only cancellation this week. Uh, Ohio State has canceled their game against Maryland. Uh, or I'm sorry, who was who's Ohio? Was Ohio State Maryland or was Ohio State somebody else? It's uh, Ohio. It's uh, Michigan. Illinois. They, well, no, Illinois was last weekend. Michigan okay. has canceled their game against Maryland this week. Thank you. There we go. And Ohio State hasn't yet announced what they're yeah, doing they're, with Michigan they're, State. They're supposed to be playing Michigan State. It sounds like they're going to have, at bare minimum, several players who can't play. Uh, the question is, is what is Ohio State going to do, looking at the fact that if they miss one more game, technically they're not eligible for the Big Ten title game, um, which, of course, is sending panic through all the Big Ten athletic directors who are realizing that if Ohio State doesn't make the college football playoff, the Big Ten's going to lose out on a large chunk of money. So they're now basically trying to figure out if they can retroactively pull an ACC and switch up the rules so that Ohio State might be able to sneak into the Big Ten championship game, even if they can't play either this week against Michigan State or more likely at this point next week against Michigan. Yeah, um, everything's a cluster fuck and a dumpster fire. Uh, we'll, we can get back to the wider Big Ten picture here in a minute. Let's just talk about the Gophers. Uh, Andy, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you think the Gophers will play against Nebraska next week? You know, it, it, it depends on how much you want to try and read into the language that's coming out. Uh, both Mark Coyle and P.J. Fleck have said in the last 48 hours that they're hoping to be able to restart activities here uh, at the end of this week. Um, the biggest problem you're going to have is going to be who is missing. No matter what, Minnesota is going to be missing probably up to 15 to 20 players. And while obviously nothing official has been announced, there's been some rumors going around that a good chunk of those are offensive linemen. So even if Minnesota wants to play against Nebraska, you may be seeing where Minnesota is starting several true freshmen at the offensive line position. Yay, getting experience. So, So in some ways, I mean, yeah, but also do you want... Tanner Morgan to die in the second to last game of the season. Uh, I mean, that was a facetious yay, let's be Yeah. Clear. Oh, yes. No, we're well aware. Um, so, I think that they will come out publicly and say they are going to try and play and do everything. The biggest determining factor will be do they have too many players out at one position where they're not going to be able to play? Um but hearing the language that's been coming out of the representatives of the University of Minnesota, I think they're going to try and play. It just might not be pretty. All right, fair enough. Uh, streets, uh, I'm at, remember here, I'm asking, will they play, not should they play? Your opinion. I will say yes, and I think the reason why they will play is they were just over the pool initially, the 21, so the first cancellation, 
This would be why I think they would play. So they're just over on the first cancellation. It's a rolling average. So they hit the absolute 21 again sometime, you know, what, a, a week ago, Wednesday, something like that. And so people are coming out of the rolling 21, and so they just be under. And that's why I would think, given the rumblings from Coyle and Fleck, that would signal that they would be playing because they think that they're just going to squeak under the necessary number. Yeah, that I, I was actually of the opinion that they weren't going to play until they started doing the rumblings. I mean, what are the rumblings worth? I mean, we have no idea. The, the testing is clearly not perfect, would be a polite way to put it so uh you know you could have a bunch of players pop in the next two days and it's all for you know nothing anyway uh but i don't know i guess we'll see i i really don't care at this point <laughs> i really don't um they could stop playing now and i would not care well and, and I just yeah don't. and and that's the thing is that i mean yeah i'm sure there are some people out there who would love to see the gophers play two more football games this season but Let's be honest, if Minnesota is missing even remotely 15 players in against Nebraska and potentially some of that still be carrying over to the final week, whoever they may be playing, it it's not going to be even close as representative of what this team A could have been and B, what it will be next year. So the games are being played because the games need to be played. They could, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some Nebraska fans, especially Nebraska fans, if they come out and kick Minnesota's ass, they'll brag about it for the next whatever. Whereas most reasonable Gopher fans are going to go, we were missing six starters and 15 players. Yeah, you should have done that to us. You know, so I'm kind of with you. Fairly certain that would have been Purdue's fans' argument as well. Practically, I think, as strange as this is going to sound, and this is actually not a homer take, if I was Nebraska, I, in general, would be okay playing a team that hasn't practiced for a couple of weeks. But pending who actually is going to be playing in that game, Minnesota really has absolutely nothing to lose. That is not a great position to be in if you are the team at the end of the season who also, like, frankly, doesn't care that much. I mean, I know Scott Frost would probably scream something about hoodies, try and, like, jack up his players or whatever, but Nebraska's a garbage football team this year. I don't really think anyone wants to play that game. It's meaningless. It won't affect anything for Bulls. And you have one team who's coming out of COVID and honestly is probably excited to actually get back doing the thing that they want to do from a normalcy perspective. It's not a lovely position to find yourself in as an opponent of that team if you're the if you're the team that like is really bad this year and Nebraska is really bad. I mean, if we can be undermanned and beat them, despite the fact that they're really bad, it would make my heart happy, given the fact that their fans annoy the ever-loving crap out of me on a regular basis. Andy, is that was that is that kind of your take too, or did you have something else you wanted to roll into? No, I mean, I think that that's a that's a good and fair argument. Um, you know, you're right. It, for Minnesota, it really becomes a no-lose situation. Um, either they're depleted and they beat Nebraska and we can laugh, 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 or we lose to Nebraska and it's like, well, yeah, we were down, 
you know, three starters on the offensive line on top of the two starters we are already missing and, you know, whatever else we find out that may or may not, whoever may or may not be missing. So you're right. In in that case, definitely Minnesota has absolutely nothing to lose. They just show up and, and, and play the best they can. Um, you know, I it it's just going to be a weird end of the season. I mean, we still don't know who or what we might be playing the last week. Um, you know, and honestly, that now probably depends on whatever the Big Ten decides they want to do with Ohio State. Because I think in a in a normal situation where Ohio State is ineligible for the Big Ten championship game, they and Wisconsin would end up playing in the number two game that week, and Minnesota would probably face a crossover team. Right now, if they matched up, it would probably be Michigan State. Nobody cares about that game at all. None. But... I think there's a less than 0% chance that if somehow Ohio State gets the gift and gets into the Big Ten title game, that they may consider replaying Minnesota-Wisconsin, which, you know, admittedly, I think Minnesota fans will go into it going, well, yeah, let's just go and see what happens, but nobody's really going to expect, especially if we're still missing players, that it's going to go well for Minnesota. So... It's it's one of those things where it's it's apathy, but it's not necessarily apathy because the team's being so bad. It's just apathy because this season is rapidly devolving nationwide, and it just doesn't matter anymore. To be frankly honest, this is where I am. Andy Andy just described me entirely. I can no longer make myself care. I just can't. I found actually thinking a little bit, Chris. You may recall last year at the beginning of the season. I think it was after the Fresno State game on Great Takes. I had this point, you were sort of uh, like excited, obviously, because of the game ended, but also really worried because it looked like the Gophers were going to uh, be real garbage. And I had this point that Minnesota is the most fun team to watch in the country if you're not a partisan. Because up until that <laughs> point, every one of their games was was fantastic. It is widely known that I've been wildly pessimistic about many things associated with COVID. But one of the things that I do think is legitimately wonderful when sports are being played is if the game is on, it remains a lovely escape and a joyous level of entertainment. And that's super important. Let's be real. 2020 has sucked for basically everyone. If you had an amazing 2020, I am deeply envious of you. And you are also a wild outlier. And one of the frustrations <laughs> that's come from lots of people, and it's come from various things, and it's the closures of schools have fundamentally upended you know, working relationships. Andy on this podcast can speak to that. Closing bars, closing restaurants, closing outdoor entertainment, uh, confused political things, and closing sports. Now, are sports important? Absolutely not. That's the whole point of sports. The reason why they're great is that sports are meaningless. At the end of the day, we're cheering for laundry. But it is nice... And this is what I will say. It would be nice on some level if Minnesota plays Nebraska, especially if Minnesota beats Nebraska. That's always nice. Because for a couple of hours, we can just sort of put aside and be like, I'm actually watching entertainment. And that entertainment potentially has the possibility of us being able to witness something incredible happen. Either a great catch, a great tackle, some highlight. Had it today watching the women's basketball team play. Got to see Katie Sissoku play really well. And just being able to say like, oh yeah, this is fun and this is nice. It is in some sense a return to normalcy. I deeply understand why people want sports to occur. I deeply want sports to occur even when I think 
very clearly they shouldn't be happening, which is what I felt about this season. So that's my thing. If Minnesota doesn't play Nebraska, fine. Uh, if Minnesota does play Nebraska, that's wonderful. And hopefully it's wonderful in the sense that everyone who currently is suffering from COVID recovers fully with no problems long term. The people who are injured recover whatsoever, uh, recover completely. But at the end of the day, we get to do the thing that we enjoy doing, which is watching Nebraska fans be really sad and aggrieved. And I'm always here for that. Here, here. All right, uh, I- I'm saving the Big Ten conversation to the end, actually, because we are a hockey blog, and the hockey team is good, objectively good. Number five in the country, undefeated. I'm turning it to you, Andy. Tell me why I should continue to be excited about hockey. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with the positives for now, because we all know that negatives will come later. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the Gopher men's hockey team so far started off the uh, the season uh, two home sweeps of uh, Penn State and Ohio State, respectively, 4-0. They've moved up to uh, the number five ranked team in the country, um, and now they head onto the road, which uh, will be a much different experience for sure. Uh, they play Thursday and Friday night at Michigan State, and then will stay in the state of Michigan uh, for a couple of days of practice before taking on the Wolverines. Uh, I believe it's... I think it's Tuesday, Wednesday next week. It's another one of those weird weekday series sort of setups. Um, And that series would be interesting as Michigan has also been one of the best teams in the early going in the country until they got swept last week by Notre Dame. Um, But uh, the World Junior Camps are starting early because that that tournament is still going on. It's going to be going on up in Edmonton in the bubble. Um, kind of like what the NHL did in Edmonton in the bubble. Um, but to do that, they're having players res- go to their respective national camps early and basically do quarantine. So it was announced earlier this week that Minnesota's top three defes- defensemen, um, and that'll be Jackson Lacombe and Ryan Johnson and Brock Faber, all will be missing that Michigan series uh, as they go basically to hang out and quarantine with the U.S. uh, World Juniors team. Michigan also will be missing, I believe, five or six players, five of which who are going to be in U.S. camp and one that will be in Canadian camp. So it will be an interesting series between probably the top two teams in the Big Ten thus far early in the season, but each team will be missing several quite key players. Um, So honestly, it's going to be kind of a crapshoot to see what will happen. But uh, hopefully the Gophers can get two more wins here in the next couple days against Michigan State, and uh, then whatever happens in the Michigan series happens, but at least they'll put themselves in a – in a good spot as they wrap up the 2020 portion of the schedule. And we, we wait patiently for the 2021 portion to get announced, which we've been heard has been supposedly coming down the pike for the last two weeks, and it still hasn't shown up. So your guess is as good as mine. Andy, I'm going to do my Blake impression in our new segment called Blake Asks a Hockey Question. Since Blake is not here, I will do it for Blake. Minnesota is going to be down multiple defensemen. Does that mean that forwards will play defense? It doesn't because Minnesota is actually, for whatever reason, and Bob Motzko probably was smart enough to do that, uh, incredibly deep 
at defense this year. They do have nine defensemen on the roster. Uh, so while they lose three, they will still have their full complement of six. Now, that means you literally will be playing several defensemen who have never played a collegiate hockey game in their life. Uh, Carl Fish, true freshman from St. Paul Johnson, uh, will be making his debut. Um, and then you've got... Uh, uh, Sam Rossini, who is another defenseman who didn't really see any time for the Gophers last year, he'll he'll have to step in and play. Um, so so they will be they will have a full complement of defensemen. It will just be their seven, eight, and nine guys who haven't seen the ice in the first four games of the season yet thus far. And when Minnesota has their top six defensemen back, won't most likely see the ice the rest of the season. Uh, but but. Like I said, it'll be an interesting matchup as Michigan is missing five, their, one of their top defensemen and four of their top five forwards, including three, oh, God. including three highly touted freshmen who most likely will all be top ten picks in next year's NHL draft. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a slap fight, to be perfectly honest. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. It could be a... It could either be really ugly, or it could be a, it could be a low scoring goaltender's battle. But uh, we, we we shall see. I like the fact that most of what Michigan is missing comes from their offensive firepower, thus balancing the fact that we're losing three of our best defensemen. Um, but yee. And, and and the thing is, is the best case scenario is we're not Wisconsin. Wisconsin, because of COVID issues, they lost one player who tested positive and then had three players who had contract uh, tracing issues, played a series against Arizona State last week, and they will play a series against uh, Ohio State this week where they will only have, I believe, it's either seven or eight forwards on the roster. So so not only are they bringing defensemen up to play forward, but they still won't have a full four lines. So that wow. that is what you need to worry about in the age of COVID and contract tracing because all it takes is, is one guy getting it and you lose four or five players without even blinking. Fun times. Um, looking at the women, uh, swept Duluth at Duluth last weekend, so... They're looking uh, strong to start, it seems, as well. Yeah, right now they uh, they hold sole possession through two weeks, admittedly, of, of the WCHA first place. Um, and, you know, when, when we saw the schedule come out, we it's, it's sort of happening like we thought it was. Minnesota was going to play, arguably, uh, four of their six toughest series back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. Uh, they hosted Ohio State and, and got a split against the Buckeyes. Uh, then they went up to Duluth and got a, uh, a sweep, a, a come-from-behind sweep. Um, Friday they got the game, I think the game-winning goal with about a minute and a half left in the game after being down 2 nothing. They won 4-2 after they added an empty netter after that. Um, and then Ohio State and Wisconsin played last week, and they split as well. Um, so it's been sort of the, the top teams in, in the WCHA, which but I default because a lot of the top teams out east aren't playing, uh, are the top teams in the country, have been sort of trading blows early. Um, you know, right now Minnesota is, is the number third ranked team in the country. 
Uh, Ohio State is four. Wisconsin is number one. And the Badgers come into Ritter Arena this weekend to play the Gophers Friday night and Saturday afternoon. Uh, so this should be another good test to show where exactly Minnesota is in relation to, to the rest of the WCHA teams. Um, you know, if, if you can get away with getting uh, getting another split at least against Wisconsin and then you head out for your final series next weekend of uh, 2020 at Ohio State, um, you know, if, if, you, if you're splitting with the, with the top teams, you're doing pretty good. So um, Minnesota then, in theory, should have a, a pretty easy 2021 portion of the schedule and hopefully can t- take advantage and rack up a whole bunch of wins in a row. But, um, yeah, right now they're, they're getting really good play from their goaltender, uh, Lauren Bench, who's a grad transfer, came in from Bemidji State. Uh, back-to-back weeks has won the WCHA Goaltender of the Week award. Um, she's allowing, I think, a goal and a half per game uh, through four games, which is uh, pretty good. That generally puts you in a pretty good position to win, uh, especially if Minnesota has the talent to, to score more than a goal and a half per game. So um, it should be a big series this weekend against the Badgers and should really sort of uh, to shape out exactly where we're at, but uh, I think Minnesota's in in pretty good spot. All right, moving to basketball, streets, outside of Marcus Carr, what is your favorite thing about the men's basketball team so far? They're 3-0, and and their defense has been excellent so far. Okay. What is your least favorite thing about the men's basketball team so they far? They can't shoot a three-pointer to save their bloody lives. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unquestionably, the words. I can expand just a little bit. So right now, Minnesota is, and they've played Loyola Marymount twice. And I do think it's important to emphasize that, one, they beat them rather comfortably the first time. Minnesota beat Loyola Marymount rather comfortably the first time they played after kind of spotting them spotting Loyola Marymount a little lead in the first half. And the second game was a substantially close, tighter affair. A lot of reasons for that. A base reason for that is they cannot shoot a three-pointer right now to save their bloody lives. And that's been that's been the, the big challenge. I mean, Minnesota currently 29.2% from behind the line. That's not great. That bit's poor. Uh, but the defense has been excellent. Uh, in adjusted efficiency, it's been great. It's really cracking down on opponents it's making life difficult for them other than fouls and that has a lot to do again we have a massive problem with sample size we only played three games so any big outlier like the most recent game against the Merrimack is going to go up but I've liked to see even integrating a lot of new players that the Gophers have done a very good job generally on their rotations on the defensive end of the floor they're getting steals they're getting into passing lanes they're harassing shots a good defense will take you very far in the Big Ten even when shots aren't falling as long as you can keep that other team to a low efficiency it's not fun basketball to watch for spectators but it wins basketball games so that, that bit I'm enjoying so far. And the three-point thing, honestly, is fixable. So that's not a, oh, this is absolutely the end of the world. It's just right now their offense would do substantially better if instead of making four out of every 23-pointers, they made seven out of every 23-pointers. Any real guesses as to what's up there? Or is it just, I mean, Kalsher obviously seems to be carrying through from last year, but other parts of his game, you know, seem free throw shooting. He doesn't seem to have any problems there. I mean, uh, it almost feels like, I don't think he forgot how to shoot. You know, it almost feels like the yips. I'm not saying it is because obviously definitely don't want to put that on somebody, but 
his free throw shooting form is excellent. His shooting form in general is really solid. His just accuracy is a little bit off. And I really do think that Kelcher is uh, certainly a bit of a streaky shooter. That's always been true. It was true his freshman year as well. But I think he needs that first one to go in. And once that one drops, he kind of relaxes and everything else works. When that first one misses, it becomes more challenging. The thing is, and I know this is something that people don't love hearing, but even if Gabe Kalsher didn't make a single shot all game, he should start and play about 30 minutes. He is that important on the defensive end of the ball. 100%. No question. Especially in the, like you said, in the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten is known for that. Ugly basketball where teams play defense and win. And... I'm fine with Minnesota being that team. I, like you, would enjoy it more if they just hit a couple threes every once in a while. So I'll play the ask the question guy this time, even though I know more about basketball than Blake does about hockey. So it's not Blake really knows nothing about hockey. Yes, so exactly. The, the floor um, is low there. So, I mean, just, I, 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 yeah, I've watched bits and pieces the first three games. Not a ton, but bits and pieces. So, assuming Gabe Kelsher doesn't, find his stroke, which, I mean, we're hoping that he all will eventually down the line. Uh, what happens when one of these Big Ten teams figures out how to shut down Marcus Carr? Who Who is going to be the next gopher scoring option if Marcus Carr is actually held in check for once? We're presuming that Gabe Kalsher is still zero on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, we, we, can, we can all hope that Gabe figures out his stroke, and then he's obviously the number two scoring effect. But let's just say for, you know... Minnesota sports fan purposes that Gabe Kalsher continues to struggle in from the field and Marcus Carr finally gets slowed down. I, I mean, legitimately, is it, is it, is it, they're going to try and have to figure out how to go inside? Is it, you're going to have to see if you can get a good game from Jamal Mashburn Jr. What, what is their, their next legitimate scoring threat? Oh, both gotch is your next scoring threat. I mean, I, I think it's re- reasonable to believe that by the end of the year, both gotch will be the number two scoring threat on the team. I think there is an outside chance that both gotch is an all Big Ten, not first team, of course, but like an all Big Ten third team kind of player. He's uh, super long. He's got a lot of offensive skill sets. His three-point shooting, like everyone's, has been poor, and that was a little shaky down the stretch at Utah, but he started out really well. He's excellent as a slasher, driver of the ball, can make shots in traffic, can make a lot of dunks on the defensive end of the ball. He can get you steals. He's off-ball defense probably still needs some work, but I think at least some of that's just gelling into a new system. His on-ball defense is tenacious. Both Gotch is going to be a hell of a player for for the Gophers this year, assuming he kind of lives at his potential. So if you're shutting down Marcus Carr, the next option, given the scope of your question, is both Gotch would become your kind of primary scorer. Where I think Patino would like the team to be is a team that moves the ball with purpose and works the ball to get really close bucket shots and using the three point shot as a constraint on defense. So they can't collapse so hard. Anytime you've got a seven plus footer who has some touch around the rim, you want to feed that person, the ball, Brandon Johnson, similarly at the four, you want to feed that person, the ball and let him kind of make those sort of workman like plays. I think that, Brandon Johnson, to be clear, is not Jordan Murphy. But I think Patino 
would like to use Brandon Johnson like he used Jordan Murphy back in the day. I think he would like to set up plays for Liam Robbins in similar ways that he set up plays for Jordan Murphy back in the day. He doesn't have, Patino that is, does not have the benefit like he had with Jordan Murphy that on some level the offense literally could be give Jordan the ball somewhere in the general vicinity of the offensive side of the court, and it doesn't really matter what the other four players do because Jordan Murphy is going to go get you a bucket. Patino doesn't have that kind of player outside of Marcus Carr, and he certainly doesn't have that player on the inside, but his offense definitely, I think, wants to be structured around that. So both Gotch would become your scorer if you're really going to try and shut down Marcus Carr, assuming Gabe Kalsher can't give you shots. And also, Patino very much would like to have Liam Robbins in double digits and Brandon Johnson in double digits. All right, you're making me feel more optimistic i mean it's not like i was really negative on the basketball team i i like andy of it's been bits and pieces for me watching so far this season but um you've you've highlighted the positive opportunities uh to the point where i'm excited to see some of that come together hopefully everyone's super Uh, negative about this team for reasons that's honestly kind of confusing to me it's early in the season they're not gonna be great it's covid the team definitely shut down at some point because of COVID, so they haven't had the number of practices they need to. It takes time to gel with a new offensive team, particularly takes time when you lost your NBA-level scoring all-world option, so to have to kind of put in a new system. I, maybe it's just like a Minnesota thing. Maybe it's 2020. Maybe we're all like pissed about stuff. But honestly, the performances that have come out are fine. And I just want to take this opportunity to give a heads up to everyone who's like kind of negative. You're probably going to be super negative for about a month because Minnesota is entering a murderer's row of a conference schedule such that if they win like three of their next seven, that's a good result. Remind me who they've got. Minnesota is going to play. This is the Big Ten opening schedule. They're going to play Illinois. Then they're going to play Iowa. Then they're going to play Michigan State. Then they're going to play Wisconsin. Then they're going to play Ohio State. Then they're going to play Michigan. Then they're going to play Iowa again. So they are going to play, as it stands right now, uh, basically all of those teams in the top 25, multiple of them in the top 10, and at the time they play them, multiple teams that could legitimately be top five. Yeah. And, and for your current reference, which, granted, they've been playing non-conference, so we'll see once they start beating up on each other what it is, but uh, Iowa is currently number three in the country. Wisconsin is number four, Illinois is number five, Michigan State's number eight, and they just beat Duke last night. Uh, Ohio, Ohio State is 23rd or 24th, and Michigan is not yet ranked, but is on the verge of receiving votes. So legitimately, every single game in the first seven in the Gophers of the Big Ten could be a ranked opponent, and there's a less than 0% chance, or a more than 0% you know what I'm trying to say. We're going to play a lot of top ten teams in the next couple of weeks. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fight for sure. If Minnesota goes four and three over that schedule, they should be a top fourteen ranked basketball team. 
Uh, so what I'm hearing is predictions of seven and zero. Yeah, just, exactly. I'm just, I'm, exactly. I'm just marking it down seven I, and zero. I mean, it is. It, it's it's the kind of schedule like the the Big Ten's always really challenging. It's not like it's going to get easier by any means. But if you look at the end of the schedule versus the beginning of the schedule, it's the kind of schedule that you say, all right, you're hopefully going to make up an awful lot of games in February and March, assuming those games happen. I more say this that basketball has changed. The Big Ten's been really hard for years. Looking at who's plausibly in the Big Ten, I mean, it's not out of the it's not out of the conversation the Big Ten arguably has right now ten or eleven teams that could realistically say we have a shot at the NCAA tournament. So okay, so we're running undefeated now, is what I hear. Yeah, saying. so not not a chance they're gonna gonna lose a single game all year. What I really just want to drive home <laughs> is that if Minnesota loses some games early, but the process is looking good, some of the reason they're losing games, frankly, is they are playing a murderer's row schedule. Four and three, you should be really optimistic about this team's chances if they go four and three in their first seven non- uh, first seven conference games. Oh, and also, they're going to play North Dakota next, who's crap, uh, and they're going to play Boston College, who's like kind of crap. Then they're going to play the University of Missouri, Kansas City, who's like super crap. Uh, and then after that, every team not coached by Fred Hoiberg is great. Welcome to 2020-2021. It's, it's a barrel of fun. Uh, women's team, uh, you got to watch watch them today. How, what's your initial impressions of the women's basketball team? Casey Zoka is going to be a star, man. Casey Zoka is going to be a star. You should uh, – the women today were shorthanded. They beat Eastern, Eastern Illinois uh, 72-68. But they were shorthanded in part because of injury, but it really seems like COVID. We're not going to speculate as to which players were out for COVID, but I think if you watch the women's team for their next game and you look at who rejoins the starting lineup, those are probably all COVID casualties for for this game. Nonetheless, uh, Jasmine Powell, who had an honorable mention, all Big Ten freshman campaign, very much a chucker, tried to do a little bit too much at the point guard spot at times in this game, which I think was was a bit unfortunate, but also the first game of the season. But she had an otherwise solid game, uh, solid game in the sense of when they needed big plays from her, they had really great plays. Uh, she had a pass. Andy and I were, were watching the game together, and Andy can uh, confirm this. Jasmine Powell had a pass to Katie Suzoku that fooled everyone, camera, camera crew, us, Katie Suzoku, uh, every defensive member of Eastern Illinois. It's one of the best passes I've seen in a long time. So that it exists at the point guard position. But Katie Suzoku is going to be a star. She's a former top 10, I think, recruit. I Originally, I think, from France. Went to Syracuse. Whatever reason, it didn't work out in Syracuse. Had a knee injury. Transferred in the offseason to come to Lindsey Whalen. And if she's not all Big Ten first team by the end of this year, I will be shocked. Yeah, no, she was a she was a pleasant surprise. I mean, she hasn't really played a true game in almost two seasons. Her freshman year at Syracuse didn't really go great, and then she had a knee injury, uh, sat out all last year due to the transfer. Um, she she lives up to the hype. Just the raw talent, you can see why she was a five star recruit going into into Syracuse. Um, I mean, she basically is that slashing. 
uh, score that Minnesota has not had for a while. So uh, once they get their full complement of players back, uh, missing today was uh, Stillwater native Sarah Scalia, who also was a all uh, Big Ten freshman team member last year. Um, they have uh, Alexia Smith, who's a five-star point guard out of Columbus, Ohio, who also is not didn't play today. Um, you know, it, it, hopefully she can she can get into the rotation pretty quick. And they and they have a couple other uh, bigs. They've got a transfer, uh, Laura Bagwell Catalich, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. I'm I'm slaughtering it. I'm sure. Uh, transfer from Cornell, grad transfer. She averaged 13 and a half points a game for uh, the Big Red last year. Transferred home to Minnesota as she's a as a Minnesota native. So. Um, on paper, this is the best team Lindsey Whalen has had. Uh, it's the best team the Gophers have had, in, in, on, again, on paper, in probably five or six years. Uh, the question will be is once all these players get back, can they gel and turn that on paper to on the court, which is always a big question mark. But uh, this team will legitimately be fun to watch. Hopefully uh, they get the opportunity to put more games on TV. Uh, I saw the, the Big Ten opener uh on December 9th against Michigan State will be on uh, on BTN, but there'll be a lot of BTN Plus games too. So uh, if you get a chance to watch this team, I think uh, you'll find them to be pretty entertaining. You guys are just, this has been a very optimistic uh, podcast. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. Uh, I'm going to end us on, normally of course this would be prediction time. I don't feel like doing prediction time for any gopher sport. I want to do prediction time on will the Big Ten twist their rules around to gift Ohio State the spot in the Big Ten championship game representing the East Division. Um, Please note, of course, for anyone listening, we all recognize Ohio State is the best team in the East Division. Their their sole competition for that title, uh, that crown, uh, was Indiana, and they beat Indiana. So... I'm comfortable saying Ohio State's the best team. However, rules were written. They were written with, God, one would hope, forethought that they might be forced to come to the point where some team lost three games to COVID. And here we are. They might have to make up new rules on the spot to get Ohio State into that Big Ten title game. Uh, I'm looking to you, Andy, first. Do you think the Big Ten uh, twists it up and just, you know, hands Ohio State what uh, they may deserve but probably don't actually earn due to the existing rules? I'm going to say yes, they do. And ironically, I think it may end up hurting them more than it will help them because I do think if you're looking at a matchup which would help them the most with a potential college football playoff committee, having them play Wisconsin might be more influential than having them play Northwestern. Um, Northwestern has a good defense, but I mean, let's be honest, they're... They're really bad on offense. They're they're not great on offense. I mean, Peyton Ramsey has helped that team quite a bit. Um, And they're still really bad on offense. and, And, I mean, other than the win over Wisconsin... None of their wins have been like, oh my God, this is a this is a Big Ten championship caliber team. They're they're a good team, um, but they're just not flashy. And to be perfectly honest, I think Ohio State would be better off playing Wisconsin that Week Nine game. Uh, hopefully, getting an impressive win over the Badgers, and that might that might cement them to that number four college football playoff spot. I think it's going to be the most ironic thing possible would see that the Big Ten adjust things. They get in. They don't 
absolutely destroy Northwestern like they should. And the committee goes, eh, you know what, Texas A&M, we're going to give you the number four spot instead. And, and the Big Ten will have done all this stuff, and it won't matter that Ohio State still won't be in the playoff. Um, you know, I guess that's up to the Buckeyes how they're going to try and, and deal with that. But my, my prediction is, yes, they will adjust things. Ohio State will get the backdoor invite to the Big Ten tournament or Big Ten championship game. Um, Indiana would have a very uh, valid reason to be pissed. I think that's tempered a bit by the fact that they lost Michael Penix, their star quarterback, for the rest of the season with the torn ACL. Um, if he was still healthy, I think they'd be really pissed. Um, but they know without Phoenix that they're not even close to the team that they were with him. Um, so long story short, Ohio State, yes, they do get into the Big Ten championship game, and it may end up hurting them in the long run. All right, uh, Street, what your take on that? Yeah, they will absolutely fold because the financial implications of Ohio State being in the Big Ten playoff are too great to ignore. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. It will annoy me uh, to no end um, because I'm very much a, a rule follower, if I'm honest. Like you set up, you chose this path, live with it. Uh, but, you know, had Ohio cash, State, cash rules everything around me. So. Yeah, well, and also had Ohio State, like if, I don't know, let's, let's just imagine Michigan didn't suck this year. Such that you know, Ohio State ends up losing to Michigan. It's just sort of a regular kind of thing, and they didn't hit it. No, I don't think they would do it. So if they expected Ohio State to finish, like let's say tenth in the country, no. But there is a huge financial benefit, and the Big Ten has, oh gosh, for the last twenty some years, been pretty consistent on the policy of whenever we can make money, we should do that thing, no matter how stupid that thing is. It's true. I, they might as well write it into the bylaws at this point. All right. Well, that's something to keep an eye on. Because, I mean, reminder, of course, uh, at this point, Ohio State is not yet um, officially out under the rules uh, until either they announce that they cannot play against Michigan State this weekend or until uh, next week where the uh, anticipated result is Michigan will have to cancel the game. Uh, until either of those things happen, they're still you know completely eligible and we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I guess everyone, you know, you don't have to watch the Gophers this weekend, so find something fun to do. Stay safe. Stay distanced. Wear your masks. Go Gophers. Sky Yuma. Row the boat. Go Gophers. Row the boat.